Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. Let's pod. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly. Their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart. To boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And Paul, I was right yes, to be concerned. I was correct uh-huh. about the uh-huh. impact of the Writers and Screen Actors Guild strike on Star Trek. Because, first off, let's be clear, we're only going to get one live-action show next se- next year. In 2024, we get just the series finale of Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was reading an article this morning over on TrekMovie.com, and they were saying that, you know, there may be some ADR that still needs to be done, and the actors are prohibited from doing ADR. So it could, even though it has finished filming and most of the production, including the reshoots that they did um, in the spring to accommodate the series finale as opposed to a season finale, uh, there may be some ADR left to do, and if that's the case, it would push that back uh but all the other star well, trek and apparently adr also requires sorry i don't mean to cut you off yeah, but adr also could potentially require writing sure you know yeah. like they may need to rewrite something in post yep um for the adr and uh i know that's certainly been affecting there was one show that was j- pretty much done and they're saying it, it's still being paused because of the adr yeah uh yeah yeah and i guess this would be another one well and all that other Star Trek that has been greenlit, not a bit of it's gone into production, right? The, so yeah. the uh, any possible Star Trek legacy, obviously, you know, we haven't had announcements on that. But uh, the next season of Strange New Worlds, which has been greenlit, was supposed to go into production this summer. Obviously, that's not happening. And the production on Starfleet Academy hasn't started. And production on the Section 31 movie with Michelle Yeoh hasn't started. And they run the risk of losing Michelle Yeoh on that mm-hmm. project. I mean, you know, she's in super high demand since her, you know, uh, since winning the Oscars. Um, I'm, I'm really curious on the other side of this strike if uh you know what the star trek landscape looks like because i think i think some things are in jeopardy i think paramount could strongly reconsider their plans um i think they would be wise to forego the starfleet academy show (laughs) (laughs) uh but you know i think i think what's likely going to happen is the studios will come to a, a settlement with the writers and the actors. And that's going to mean more money out of their pockets. And so what that translates to me is higher streaming costs. 
you know, because mm-hmm. they're, the CEOs aren't going to take a cut in their, you know, uh, in their bonus packages, right? You know, they're, that, they're not going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. They're going to translate those costs to us. So, you know, what is it? I, I'm trying to remember what my Paramount Plus subscription is, but I think it's $10 a month. I would expect that to go up by a couple of bucks. I would think that, you know, your Netflix, your Disney Plus, all of those are going to increase by a couple of bucks, which, you know, a couple of dollars you don't think too much about. But when you think about that, in a lot of circumstances, that's a 20 or 30 percent increase. That's yeah. a big chunk. I mean, that's like going from your... 35 cent comet back in the day to a 75 cent comic you know i mean it's that's a big leap um i think that we will see a big reduction in original programming for instance i subscribed to apple plus this week and okay i'm really enjoying uh the series foundation based on the isaac asimov books I mean, it's great, oh, yeah. and the production value is stunning. Movie quality, movie quality production film, and it is. Uh, I, I'm like, yeah, this this wouldn't exist in in uh, sort of streaming 2.0. <laughs> you know? No, you're probably right. Uh, I, I just I can't imagine companies spending that kind of money on something that maybe doesn't have as big a draw as something like a Game of Thrones, right? Um, I think you're going to – we are right now in, in sort of a golden age of peak television where we get all of these, you know, just great genre uh, programming. And, and admittedly, a lot of, you know, middling uh, uh, <laughs> uh, original content. But, you know, there's a wild amount of stuff to choose from. I think that's got to shrink in order for uh, the actors and the writers to get what they're looking for. Because, yeah, like I said, the executives aren't going to take it in the shorts. Oh, yeah. It's going to be yeah. us. It's the consumer that's going to take it in the shorts. Mm-hmm. There's so many projects that haven't started yet that I'm I'm worried about, right? Like uh-huh. all those big, you know, like you've said, all the Star Trek stuff you just talked about, some of the Star Wars stuff that was announced recently. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the – I will say I don't think the Actors Guild strike will last as long as – as the writer strike, I think it'll probably be pretty short-lived, honestly. Um, but the writer strike is still going on and has been for, since May. Since, since May. May, yeah. So you know that's that's definitely holding up a lot of things. And you know, this coming weekend is San Diego Comic Con. We talked about it on the last episode of this show, and no writers nor actors will be in attendance at any of those panels if they can't figure something out this week. Well, and a lot of the panels canceled. Uh, once the actors strike was announced, but the Star Trek panel is still scheduled. And to your point, no actors, no writers. So yeah, who the hell are they going to have there? And if you're in the Screen Actors Guild, yeah, <laughs> you can't attend. Yeah, I, I the only thing I can imagine is that they've got some showrunners on there, or perhaps executives. Um, which I, I'm like, what? Who's going to attend that panel, you know, except out of morbid curiosity and what the hell are they going to do? Yeah. You know? It's crazy because, I mean, you know, I don't I don't necessarily go for the writers. I go, f- I mean, go for the actors. I'm there for the writers. I want to hear how the stories are crafted. But, mm-hmm. you know, those guys aren't going to be there either. I would be pissed if I shelled out the, the change for uh, San Diego Comic-Con, hotel, travel, the whole schmear. And, you know, none of the people that I want to see are going to be there. Yeah, I mean, Hall H was already going to be, you know, people were already worried that Hall H, the, the all the 
all the shows and TV, you know, and, and companies that pulled out of Hall H, Marvel, DC, any of them, like no real representation at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. And people were already worried, worried about without Hall H drawing people away from the show floor, it's going to be a madhouse. Yeah. Even more so now. Yeah. Because now you know you're not even going to have a chance of seeing any actors. Yep. Well, yeah. and, you know, I'm going to Galaxy Con in September. Um I've got to imagine stuff will be resolved by that. Well, and, you know, fortunately, none of the stuff that GalaxyCon is doing is like Paramount Plus, you know, uh, you know, Star Trek machine endorsed. It's just apparently the actors and writers are allowed to go just to not necessarily promote a thing, but just, you know, uh, make their their personal appearances. Right. Um, so. Like, for instance, I'm getting my picture taken with uh, Jonathan Frakes, and I say that because I've paid for it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wait, I keep revisiting the site to see cancellations, and I expect the cancellations will happen at the last minute. The you know, I do wonder like, about that because those are different, right? They are not there promoting. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm they're, saying. They're is, promoting themselves. That's my, my hope is that, you know, because they're just, hey, look, here, I, I'm Jonathan Frakes, and I'm awesome. And I don't say that sarcastically. Uh, um, I, that hopefully those kinds of things will still occur. I, I, but I did see, you know, I've seen, you know, Star Trek people talking online saying they're still trying to figure out what it means, you know, in terms of their ability to make personal appearances. And even Armin Shimmerman, who is not in an active, ongoing Star Trek show, says, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got to call into the union. Uh, I'll let you know what I find out. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I would think somebody like, like Armin Shimmerman, any of the DS9 guys, would be clear right yeah but uh, you know if he's got questions that makes me wonder and like i said i expect that cancellations will be announced very close to actual show dates um because people are going to wait and see well let's just let's hide and watch i hate to lose the appearance fee if you know the strike gets resolved the day before yeah so but it does have me concerned because the whole reason i'm going to galaxy con is there are a lot of star trek people who are going to be there yeah you know i mean kind of going back to san diego comic-con i wonder if anybody any of those actors even like even like the wrestlers yeah right or you know the the power ranger people yeah like i mean they're all in sag right i mean at least any wrestler who's been at least any of them that have been in a movie or you know an an animated property animated voices like are you going to be able to see any of those people um I don't know. That's a good. That is a very good point. I think that as long as they can make a distinction that they're appearing for themselves and not the business, I think maybe. Yeah. I think maybe the unions let them get away with it because you know. Also, these guys need to be able to make a living. <laughs> you know, uh, and there's not going to be any paychecks between now and the end of the strike. So, I, and yeah. I, I maintain the position. You know, there's going to be a settlement. So why not just do it now? I, I don't understand. I mean, the the fact that uh, there was a studio executive quoted last week as saying, we'll wait until the fall when the writers are losing their apartments and their homes uh, to come back to the table. I, I think that's a pretty damn shitty. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to have to work with these folks on the other side of this. Why do that to your relationship? I don't care. Yeah. Well, and I feel bad for any movie, which there's quite a few of them opening up over these next two weeks. Because you have lost all of your promotion. Yep. Um, so, you know, the Oppenheimer cast 
literally had to leave yeah. during the premiere. I heard that of yeah. their movie. Um, I mean, they were there at the beginning of it. <laughs> they had to leave during the premiere of their their show. And you've also got Barbie coming what out. What is this it going to do to Barbie, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> well, and next week you've got the Haunted Mansion. Uh huh. Um, you know that it's like. I mean, hey, whatever. It's not. It's the. <laughs> It's rich people problems. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more concerned about what it's going to do to my Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, same, same. And, you know, it's not go- for me, it's not going to impact my movie going oh, this summer because I'm still going to see Oppenheimer despite the uh, the absence of promotion. Right. I mean, they sold me on Oppenheimer a long time ago, um, but it, it is it seems to be shooting yourself in the foot um, and hurting. I mean, the, the movie business is just coming back. You know, it's only been since, you know, Tom Cruise's Top Gun last year that mm-hmm. movies started making money again, you know, post-pandemic. I, I it, it blows my mind that studio executives are as short-sighted as they are uh, and not understanding or willing to admit that they should need to be, you know, uh, supporting their writers and actors so that they continue making the, the bank. Yeah. I mean, I get that they don't want to take the cut in the purse, but at the end of the day, what are you going to do without them? I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, I, I, I just, I think that I I do think the actor's guilt thing will be resolved relatively quickly. I think the, the writers, I, I, we know we're probably just going to get a lot more, uh, what do you uh, like reality TV and stuff? Because that's what happened last time there was a writer strike. God, reality TV. <laughs> it's just the worst. It is. Yeah. It is. So we'll see. Uh, you know, um, I we'll see when these things wrap up. But at least, thankfully, this season of, of Strange New Worlds, hopefully, because usually with these shows, sometimes production is going up until a few weeks before. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure this was all in the can. Yes, I believe that is correct. I think they had everything done a long time ago because this thing shot. They were shooting this season when the prior season of SNW was filming or was was uh, streaming. So uh, I think everything's done on this. I don't think this is a write up to the end like you know Picard season one. Okay. So we'll see though. You never. We will. Know. We will. You never know. And you know, for all of you who are concerned, apparently the ready room with Will Wheaton. You know, banked all of its episodes prior to the strike. So. Are, they, are they still? Is that coming out with every episode of Strange New Worlds? It is. Ah, it, it is. That's what I, I haven't been watching. I have only watched one or two because of my Will Wheaton issues. Will Wheaton. Yeah. I mean, I like him. He seems like a nice guy. I he just does some things that drive me absolutely batshit, Paul. <laughs> His faux earnestness just. You know, Paul, I'm so happy to see you here today, and welcome to the Star Trek family. Fuck you, Will Wheaton. (laughs) (laughs) And I like him. As a human being, I like him, but as... I like him. (laughs) Fuck you, Will Will Wheaton. (laughs) Fucking like you. (laughs) This is nothing you're going to get on any other Star Trek podcast, people. Hey, nerds. on Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. (laughs) Hey, nerds. Will Wheaton here. God. Well, Aaron, we've got Star Trek to talk about, so you know what we need to do. What, what let's we? pod are we gonna pod let's pod let's do it okay well uh <laughs> are you gonna put on your will wheaton voice for the rest of the podcast <laughs> hey nerds <laughs> let's talk about star trek issue number 10 <laughs> and i'm so glad you could be part of my star trek library 
<laughs> I just I just hate it. I hate it, Paul. <laughs> so Star Trek issue ten is the last issue leading up to the the Day of Blood. So both Star Trek and Star Trek Defiant have led up to the upcoming crossover, which I think kicks off next week. Maybe I think, I'll look I think that that's up. correct. I'm not interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's next week is Day of Blood issue one. But this is the very last issue kind of wrapping up the storylines leading up to Day of Blood. Yeah. So, Aaron, what'd you think? Well, you know, I was fascinated. You know, we get three pages in and we, we get a glimpse of Cisco and Garrick, you know, uh, about to be executed. And one of the things I thought was amusing is they've got their, their hands manacled above their heads. And, you know, typically that's the kind of thing where you'd make sure that they're manacled such to cause maximum discomfort so that they would be, like, hanging from the floor, you know, to cause the uh, the stress on your shoulders and, you know, other parts of your body. And uh, I, feel, I feel like your expertise in this is, <laughs> is kind of insane. I'm just saying, I feel like the, the Cardassians really sort of engineer for maximum discomfort when they are uh, about to execute someone. And yet, you know, the the manacles seem conveniently placed for Cisco to be able to have both feet firmly on the ground, maintain perfect posture. He even's got room to he even has room to bend his elbows. I mean, he's not too uncomfortable. But yeah. Garrick looks like he's dancing. I mean, <laughs> there he's he's got his knee kicked up. It's you know, it just looks like maybe he's uh, dancing a jig. Just saying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we don't... It turns out that the execution for uh, Cisco for being a convicted war criminal against the Cardassians during the Dominion War um, was actually just to draw in all the people who oppose uh, uh, Damar's son, who is currently leading Cardassia. And instead of firing on Garrick and Cisco, they turn and fire on everyone else. Kill everybody. I, I just I, that was a really I was like, oh yeah. I was like, <laughs> huh, huh. This is why you don't go and view executions because right? sh- hijinks like this occur. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I was I was caught off guard. I was yeah. actually surprised. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was a really nice trick, and uh, I, I enjoyed the dialogue between Cisco and and uh, uh, what's his name? It's not Demar. It's. Uh, Anyway, Damar's son, who is currently yeah. leading Cardassia, uh, I, I I got a real. It kick was Damar. Well, is, is it? Low? I thought he had a, 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 an additional name attached to that. Oh, but mm-hmm. anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but I dug that. I also dug the orb rescue uh, that uh, Shaxx and team. And by the way, we can make this Star Trek colon Shaxx, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Shaxx is the best part of this book. I mean, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, uh, I I mean, I don't care, literally, don't care about anybody else in this book other than Shax. <laughs> it's crazy how good the writing is on Shax. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, just how bad ass he is. And I should be loving everything else, right? I mean, I should be loving the appearance of the Dominion, or, I'm sorry, the, the Jim Hadar and the Vorta, and, you know, the the Cardassians. I should be loving Ben Sisko and Beverly Crusher and Data but it's Shaxx that I'm that I'm here for, and he is great. And I, I will tell you, uh, I thought there was a reveal uh, later in the book that what 
they the uh, bad guys are after was a changeling that had been kept in a receptacle, imprisoned, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this is a changeling who was never exposed to the biogenic weapon that uh, Section 31 developed uh, back during the Dominion War. Remember, you know, Odo got all sick, and it wasn't until yeah. towards the end of the series that they figured out this cure. And part of that, part of the negotiation with the founders to end the war was that we would give them the cure, right, through Odo. Um, and so this guy's never been exposed. He has been essentially, you know, held dormant uh, during this period. And, you know, they they free this changeling and uh, <laughs> the Vorta executes the changeling. Spoilers. Because he is no longer willing to be dominated by his gods. Uh, I, I I thought this whole book was very surprising. I uh, Yeah, I there, really, were, there were a lot of... Uh... A lot of unexpected uh, twists yeah. in this issue. Yeah. And I really enjoyed, you know, there's a nice page uh, of Cisco kind of commenting about the mission and where, where he is in relation to, uh, you know, his responsibilities to Starfleet, family, the prophets, etc. And it's this five panel page where it's, you know, Cisco and, and the new orb that they found. And just reflecting it, I just, I really like the very cinematic progression between these panels. Uh, I thought it read really well. Yeah, you know, I will say um, this book has been inconsistent for me. Mm -hmm. I I have enjoyed this second arc far more than the first arc. And I thought it ended really strong. It did. You know, I, like yourself, I, I have felt like there's been some problems and I've been dissatisfied with several issues. But I thought this ended really well. I thought it ended really well. It ended in a way that everyone got a, a little bit of focus. Uh-huh. You know, we, we got some some decent focus on Crusher throughout the storyline. Of course, Data, uh, Cisco. Uh, who's the, the Vulcan? Topro? T- no, Talir. 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 We got some focus on Talir. Yeah. And, like, I, I appreciated that we got to know these characters a little bit more. It, it's almost as if it was a different writer, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I feel like if I were if I were preparing for the next arc, there are some characters I would shuffle off stage, and sadly, those are Data and Beverly. Um, I just don't feel like they're interesting enough in these pages. You know, yeah. uh, I should be excited every time they're on the page, and I'm just not. Um, I Honestly, would... same with Tom Paris. Oh, Unless yeah. you're going to well, do something with him. Honestly, he's... had forgotten Tom Paris was in the book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah, I would get rid of those characters and spend more time on Shax and spend more time on the characters that were created for the book, like Talir. Um, yeah. Because I think they're a little bit more interesting just because we don't know much about them. Yeah. But every time I see Beverly on the page and Data on the page, and yeah, now that you made me think of it, Tom Paris on the page, <laughs> I just keep thinking that they're not nearly as interesting or as they are in the TV series. Yeah. Um, so I, th- that's that would be how I would lean into it. Uh, but I'm excited to see what happens in uh, day, in the Day of Blood series, which starts with the next issue. Uh, yep. I'm pretty excited about that. And we'll definitely be talking about that in next week's episode of this show. Very exciting. Well, Paul. Yes, sir. Did you play yourself some charades this week? <laughs> I did not. But, you know, they didn't really in the show either. <laughs> yes, I, was- I, I noticed that there was a lot of talk of charades, but not a whole lot of doing charades. 
Correct. Even though they named the episode Charades. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But anyway, so, yeah, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. You know, a, a buddy of mine also watches Star Trek, and he had texted me. He's like, just going to put it out there. You're going to like this week's episode. <laughs> and and I was like, well, I did, but he was speaking of the focus on Nurse Chapel ah, in this episode. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we, we continue down the path of focusing on um, everyone else in the uh, the Enterprise crew with really um, Captain Pike kind of relegated to, to Sup- cook. Supporting actor. <laughs> supporting, <laughs> supporting actor, uh, yeah. you know, in this episode. So we, we definitely have an episode focused on Nurse Chapel and Spock this week. Yeah. So, Aaron, tell us about charades. Well, so... Uh... Spock and Nurse Chapel go on a on an away mission in a shuttlecraft and uh, wind up skirting a dimensional portal of some kind, getting into a shuttle accident, and the portal aliens uh, remediate the situation because you know their little event uh, resulted in you know Spock being gravely injured, and so they 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 fix him. Right. You know, and they fix the shuttlecraft. And when they do, you know, they they had sort of conflicting information genetically about Spock because he is a human Vulcan hybrid. And so they looked at the nurse chapel and said, "Okay, well, he must supposed to be looking looking like this. So they kind of used her as the manual and made Spock fully human as opposed to a, you know, his previous hybrid self. Um I th- this kind of glimpsed back to the uh, Star Trek original pilot, The Cage, when, uh, you know, Vena crash lands mm-hmm. on uh, uh, Talos IV, and the Talosians put her back together, but they didn't have the manual. And so they just kind of put her back together the way they thought she should go. And so she's, you know, a bit monstrous in her real form. Uh but uh, you know, so I, I thought this was this was an interesting take on that story that you know we're we're going to fix you as best we can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the episode revolves around what if Spock were fully human and how would he deal with that? And of course, you know, he's got a a family dinner commitment with his, with his uh, soon to be in laws, um, and he has to you know perform all of these Vulcan rituals in order to satisfy the uh, engagement covenant um, and of course hijinks ensue and you do get to spend a lot of time with Nurse Chapel in this episode and you get to spend a lot of time with, with uh, Spock and very little time with Anson Mount yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know you do get um, so this is definitely more of a comedic episode yes um, you know it's funny because I'm just going to put it out there I actually I feel like well a couple of things well, I'm going to start by saying I really enjoyed seeing Spock as a human. Mm-hmm. I think um, Ethan Peck uh, did a great job with Spock as a human and bringing all the comedic elements out from that. Um, and so I, I actually – I was like, I kind of prefer this Spock, actually. Um, but I feel like the show itself is – and we've, we've talked about this, right? Not only playing fast and loose with continuity, I feel like it's struggling to – it keeps dancing with – these with the ability to do something different while still staying within established continuity. Right. Right. Cause you can still only do, but so much, but they're like, but we really kind of want to do something different with some of these characters. Right. And so they come up with, with episodes like this, where we get to see Spock fully human, um, you know, because 
we've also got this relationship with Nurse Chapel that's blossoming throughout the show. But we know where this ends up, so they're it's it's kind of they're they're dancing a little bit on what they can actually do. Um, but I feel like at least from my perspective, it feels like they want to do more, and so they they're going to the very limits of what they can do, and then just having to pull it back. Yeah, they're they're going right up to the line, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, you know part of the show had. Uh, Nurse Chapel applying for a fellowship off the ship, right? You know, she wanted mm-hmm. to go to the Vulcan Science Academy and do some uh, studying there. And uh, uh, she, you know, essentially got her uh, her application declined. And, you know, she, a lot, portions of the episode were her, you know, studying and, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, having her crewmates assist her. And what I was really interested in is one of the, you know, uh, science facts that she was being quizzed on was from uh, her future fiancé, Walter Cordry, you know, uh, because we we meet, we first meet Nurse Chapel in Star Trek, the original series, while she comes mm-hmm. to the Enterprise to seek out uh, Dr. Cordry because he's been missing, right? And so they, they are, they're out there looking for him in the episode, I believe it's What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, but, you know, Cordry, of course, turns out to be to have died and, and turned himself into an android. And, of course, you know, that's never good and, you know, winds <laughs> up, uh, you know dying in the episode but uh which frees her up to pursue spock again um (laughs) (laughs) little did we know she was revisiting an old flame she was calling her ex that's right that's right you know uh but you know i did i did like the call out and it got me kind of hoping are we gonna meet cordry you know in strange new worlds because I think that would be interesting to to see yeah. that, but of course it does appear that we're going to experience some romance between uh, Spock and Chapel uh, before any of that might happen. So you know, I, long story short, into the episode, you know, Spock is returned to his Vulcanness, but only after he has really embraced uh, the feelings he has for Nurse Chapel. In fact, we find out that the reason why she was not injured in the shuttle accident and he was as he diverted all the shields to protect her so mm-hmm. he took the the shield resources that would be there to protect him and gave them to her because he felt like that was the logical choice um but you know you know the heart wants what the heart wants paul even the vulcan heart mm-hmm. and the vulcan penis because at the end of the episode <laughs> they're getting pretty hot and heavy yeah yeah and were you upset about the cutaway right before you know the the uh, you know Jess Bush uh, full uh, full nudity? Were you, were you disappointed <laughs> I, in that, Paul? I don't know. I don't know that I was disappointed because I don't know that I expected such a thing uh-huh. from Star Trek. But it would have been nice, right? <laughs> I mean, of course, it would have been a different show. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> yeah, are, are you? I I find something about Ethan Peck dis- disturbing, oh. and it it is Ethan Peck's pecs. He has got the largest man bosom, and I know it's all muscle, but when he wears that shirt, I mean, you're just like, the man has got an, an amazing bust. <laughs> I, I, have you noticed that? I mean, he... The, I have not. I have not. I don't know. And I, now it's going to be stuck in my head. Uh, in yours, dear listener. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, so just a comment about that, Jank. There you go. There you go. 
so the episode, you know, the the storyline, obviously. So things get a little crazy because Scott Spock's fiance, um, you know, decides to pril. Uh, does, to pring, sorry, her mom is to pril. Yeah, to pring and her mother to pril um, have basically because Spock is has turned human and he's kind of avoiding doing their um, engagement dinner. They are like, you know what? We need to proceed. We're going to do it on the ship. And so they come up with this elaborate charade. No, charade. <laughs> <laughs> this well, elaborate- Patrick, Patrick Stewart would call it a charade, but a charade, uh, it's, okay, it's, okay, it's okay that you call it a charade. <laughs> <laughs> um, in order to, to make Spock as Vulcan as possible to get through the dinner. And so that's where, you know, even more hijinks ensue because, you know, that's where his feelings about Nurse Chapel are, are kind of bubbling up. He's also dealing with the way in which Vulcans treat his mother um, and kind of seeing that uh, and, you know, at from a human perspective. And so there's while there is a great deal of comedy, there's also like a lot of growth and, uh, you know, good character moments in the episode. I did really appreciate the smoldering anger that uh, Spock exhibits as uh, Tapril, you know, bangs on his mom, you know, mm-hmm. and you know he's just like you know metaphorically, just yeah, just clarify. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you can you can talk all the shit you want about me, but you leave my fucking mom out of it. Um, and yeah. that was that was kind of the tone <laughs> Spock took, and I really appreciated that. I mean, I I, I thought. We had played a lot of his reactions for comedy earlier in the show, like him going into the bathroom to scream into a pillow, and what the fuck is a pillow doing in the bathroom? Um, mm. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, what's going on in the bathroom that you need a pillow? Just looking at you, Captain maybe, Pike, the fuck? Maybe he, he likes to sit in the tub and put his head back and relax. You're thinking that was a bath pillow? I think it was bath pillow. Okay. All right. I'm going to let that what go. What else would it be? <laughs> that, well, that's what I want to know. I want to know what the hell's going on in your bathroom, Captain Pike. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Um, I like I, the, some of the comedy I enjoyed was hint was uh, Spock rediscovering bacon, you know? Uh, and I did like that they leaned into the fact, you know, and this is a fact that we learned in Star Trek Enterprise is that uh, Vulcans do not care for the smell of humans. And so, yeah. uh, uh, what was what's her face on Enterprise? The Vulcan, I can't remember her name. Uh, you know, she used nasal suppressants, as mm. does Spock, because you know humans smell all funky and whatnot. And so, you know, we get a, we get a big dose of you know mm, little human odor <laughs> in the room. <laughs> and and I, I also enjoyed the depiction of uh, Tapril's henpecked husband. You know, who couldn't have yeah. an opinion of his own. Uh, I, I, I thought that was very amusing. I did too. It was interesting because, you know, for Vulcans who don't express much emotion, he certainly seemed to express plenty of excitement yeah. <laughs> at, uh, at Pike's um, dinner menu plans. Yeah. Well, and he enjoyed the food that, initially enjoyed the food that uh, Pike uh, had made. And, you know, but then to Pearl says, oh, that's not traditional, you know, and, um, you know, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have, you, maybe more practice would help. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, she was, she was sort of negging the, the captain the entire time. Uh, mm-hmm. 
but I, I, I thought those things were funny. I didn't care for how over the top some of the comedy was with Spock, but the stuff that worked, I felt like was a lot more earnest. Um, like his, you know, reaction to, to Prill, you know, bagging on his mom. Yeah. Um, I, and I, you know, I get that as somebody who's really defensive about his mom. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I honor and respect that, uh, Spock draws the line. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I overall, I thought it was a good episode. Again, a little frustrated about the reduction in Anson Mount, but it was nice to at least see him on the screen. And I do enjoy Anson Mount playing comedy. I think he's got a really good sense for it. Um, you know, he, his performance was the one that I enjoyed in the Ren Fair episode from last season. And yeah. I did every time I saw him on the screen, I did get a, get a kick out of Anson Mount in this episode. And I thought it was really unfortunate that Pelia wasn't in this episode since she knows Amanda. Spock's mom and you know they they make a comment on the show yeah Peli is not here because she's out you know acquiring some dilithium crystals and perhaps securing some other artifacts um and I was just like, why not have her here? You, you added her to the crew. Why isn't she here? Yeah, you know there was. It, I will. You know, one thing I noticed when when I loaded up the episode is that it was. It's another like sixty something minute episode. Yeah, and I, I I'm not entirely sure why that it needed to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they um it a little bit of trimming. Could have helped. Yeah. I do think that Uhura and Ortegas had some nice scenes, but once again, we left uh, number one largely out of the show. We had her in some group shots, but really, See, I was actually going to say the opposite. I feel like Uhura has been getting shafted this season. Well, I thought she had some nice scenes in this though, with yeah, um, I mean, work, brief working though. with and in support of Nurse Chapel, but I, you know, I I feel like the Strange New Worlds ensemble cast really is is kind of working against the Star Trek model. Uh, I really wish we were focused more on Pike, uh, Una, and Spock versus everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. I, and I don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying the ensemble to a degree, but those aren't the guys that I'm tuning in for every week. And I don't understand why we continue to steer away. Uh, I, we've been leaning into Spock. Don't get me wrong. Spock's getting a lot of airtime, but not Pike and not Una. Yeah, Pike. Yeah, they're definitely underutilizing Pike this season, and we're halfway through. Yeah, right. We're five episodes in now, and I know he had. A, he, they focused on him much more in the prior episode, but they should. He's the captain. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would like. It, it's funny. I feel like I'm going to make an odd, odd statement here. I feel like we need a little bit more Sam Kirk. Yeah, I did enjoy him in this episode. Um, for you know, for as much as that character has played into the history uh, of you know. Of Star Trek canon. I mean, just, you know, reference, I guess. Yeah. It would be nice to get to know him a little bit more other than the little bits and pieces they throw at him, you know, in conference room scenes and stuff well, like that. Or, or just hearing about him, you know, because yeah. like we, the, we learned more about Sam in the episode in which he didn't appear, but Paul Wesley's talking about him, you know. Let me tell you about my brother, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought... I, I, I do feel like we should be seeing more of Sam Kirk, just so that yeah. we miss him when he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Overall, I liked the episode. wasn't my favorite episode, but overall, I thought it worked. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun episode. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's episode of Strange New Worlds. What you thought about Star Trek issue number 10. So, hey, nerds, send us a note at StarTrek at IOMGeek.com. And if we use your comment on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter, and Threads. Well, thank you, Paul, for joining our show this week and being part of our Star Trek family. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at Star Trek at IOMGeek.com. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.